So, uh, if you are new to Element, this is not normally how this happens, okay? If you are not new, you're like, this is really awkward, something's going on, this is, this is really weird. That, that, that's okay, uh, you, you, will, you will live with it. Uh, if you are new, my name is Aaron, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, there are Bibles in the back, if you don't own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one, although we're not opening to that many verses this morning. Uh, this morning what we're doing is, is something, uh, again, like this is just a little bit different. Uh, at Element, we have a structure that's kind of different than a lot of other churches. Uh, we, we have an eldership uh, here, and our eldership is very small. Uh, I've, I've worked at a couple churches, and usually what happens in a church is over time, if someone comes for a while, they become a member, and a little while longer they become a deacon, and a little while longer they become an elder. It's just like this progression you go through. At Element, we see things completely differently. We, we see things as callings from God. And so our eldership is always going to be, you know, rather small. Uh, because we believe the word elder is synonymous with the word pastor. Like like James, who does our youth, he is the minister to youth. We don't actually call him a pastor because he's not an elder yet. We're talking about it. You know, uh, you know Christy is minister to children and families. You know, that, that, that's her title. And so what, what we do is, is our eldership is, is small because we believe that is scriptural and that is what pastors are supposed to be are this thing that we call elders. Now, uh, we have had three elders for a very long time. And this morning what I want to do is introduce to you Mike Harmon. Right there, he's going to come up. And Mike Harmon is our newest elder. He is the, the fourth one. He has thrown a wrench in our works. <laughs> Apparently, we now become a square and not a triangle. Uh, but anyway, so this morning, what I wanted to do, rather than have him get up and, and preach a message, I almost said, you know, at you, I mean, to you, uh, what I want to do this morning is kind of interview him a bit so you can get to know who he is and know his heart, but also speak about redemption in the midst of all of that. Because, again, it's, it's very important uh, how we understand eldership and pastor, but redemption much, much more so. So this morning, we're going to kind of go with that. And so, uh, Mike, what I just want to ask you first is, is who are you? I'm Mike. (laughs) Uh, My wife, Deb, and I have been coming to Element for about 20 months now and uh, been in Santa Maria for her life. She's been here forever. She was born here. I've been here for about 30-some years, lived and worked here, same job for these many years, and I've been at Element now for 20-plus years. We've been married for a little over 26 years. We have two kids. Uh, Our oldest daughter is 33, Jennifer, and so you math wizards, you probably caught that. It didn't add up. So uh, I also have a son who is... Uh, I would make a public school joke, but every time I do, I get yelled at by somebody. So Teachers. <laughs> teachers. Like, I'm sure if you're a public school teacher, I'm sure you're excellent. It's all those other ones. No, I'm <laughs> uh, so we have a son who's going on uh, about 28 now. Anyway, so obviously uh, the math doesn't add up. I'm divorced, remarried. Uh, God has been gracious and favorable to me. Which um, he'll get to. I will get to. What will be part of this? Wonderful, wonderful wife. She's amazing and good to me. So anyway, so we have two kids, three grandchildren. My daughter has three grandchildren. You've probably seen them around here because they come with us often. And they love my dog. And they love Haiti. Which is important. You cannot be an elder if you don't love my dog. (laughs) Or my dog has bitten your children. (laughs) Jonathan Whitaker. (laughs) So I'm obviously one of the older, in fact, the oldest of the elders uh, three grandkids, 14. Keep around forever. I always feel young. <laughs> uh, my oldest grandson is 14. I'm down to five. Our son is married, and he lives in town here. 
And in fact, they've been coming to Element longer than we have. So, and they are pregnant with their first, due in May. So we're pretty excited about that. Number four grandchild on the way. I always uh, think it's funny when guys say they are pregnant because she's pregnant. The guy helped, I know, but his part was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can offend someone you say the wife is pregnant. They don't. They don't. It's a joint effort. This is element. We offend everybody. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is, is we're going to talk about redemption in, in the midst of this. So we want you to stand for the reading of God's word, and Mike's going to start here. Oh, oh got to pull out the glasses. Because I'm older, <laughs> I do have to pull out the glasses, yes. So Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. So God, by the Holy Spirit this morning, I ask that you would help us to see the need of our lives, the condition that we are in aside from you. God, help us to understand that and then to embrace by grace that which you've done for us in giving to us life eternal and giving to us out of your richness of your mercy and grace, not because of anything we've done, but because of your goodness. In Jesus' name. All right, have a seat. All right, so here we go. Top ten answers around the board, and the survey says, Mike, what is the gospel? So, the gospel, it's like, it's the most amazing story ever told. And uh, it's like if we had another chair up here, and it was me and Aaron, and we couldn't see the other person, but it's, it's the covenant of redemption. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit looked at this mess and said, we need to do something. And so they put together a plan of redemption, a rescue for our lives. And so that is the gospel message, that God has sent his son to redeem us, to restore, to reconcile us, to give back and make new what was been destroyed by sin. And so it's our rescue. It's the plan of God to rescue us. And it's that story. It's the most amazing. So talk about redemption in the midst of that. So redemption. I'll start with an analogy or two. Um, First of all, in Psalms 103, it talks about that God is rich in mercy and compassion towards his kids, and he understands how we've been formed, how we've been made. And so I, I liked cars, and when I was younger and not so obedient, uh, did some things I shouldn't do in cars, but I never... Are you did. saying you're obedient now? No. <laughs> you had to ask. <laughs> so I, having a, uh, I liked going fast, and sometimes you got in the way of barriers. But anyway... So if you had a car, nice car, and you destroyed it, you wrecked it, you totaled it, your condition, your formed is ruined, and God buys you back, takes that wreck, and begins a lifelong process. And I want to emphasize the process of restoring, of hammering out dents, of fixing that chassis, of building back that car, and restoring it to what it was intended and purposed to be. Uh, another one, and, and it's not just a car that was that was for sale that he went and picked up somewhere. It is a car that somebody left on the side of the road that nobody wanted, and he went and found it and grabbed it and started to redeem and redeem, restore that yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So your life you know, on the side, 
again, a wreck. But God, in his compassion, knows how we are. And another thing would be, uh, in modern day, we know the three strikes law. Right? Three strikes, you're out, you're in for life. That's our destiny. That's who we are. We are three strikes, we're out. A lot of times we don't recognize it. We don't realize that that's our condition. And, uh, but we are. We've struck out three times. We've offended, we've disobeyed, we've broken the law, and we are incarcerated for life. And Jesus comes to pay that debt and restore us, pull us out, and invite us into his family. And uh, it's like a governor pardoning you and then saying, come live with me, which would be unheard of. It would be good enough that he pardons you, but then he invites you into his life, into his home and his family. That's what Jesus does. That's redemption. And lastly, we have the example in the scriptures of the, the Old Testament in Exodus. You see the life of Israel, which are the people of God, and what God does for them over their history of uh, rescuing them from slavery and bondage, delivering them from the hand of the oppressor, and restoring and giving back to them what was intended for them as God's people. So in, in that, you know, bringing that full forward to the person of Christ, how then does Jesus, is Jesus our Redeemer? You're the pastor, you don't know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're one now, too. <laughs> oh, mm, I guess. <laughs> so, Jesus is our Redeemer because he took your place, he took my place. In 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about that God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we could be the righteousness of God. So Jesus stood in our place that we can then be freed and set free from what binds us, what enslaves us. Jesus paid the way. Jesus um, covered us and does cover us so that we can be restored and reconciled to God. So he is our redeemer. Okay, so now comes the very personal point for you. You know, what, what is your story of redemption then? Wow. My story of redemption, like I said, I'm old, so 58 years, get ready. Um, my sister. You just offended everybody who's over 58 in this room. I didn't give an age, you did. <laughs> I didn't tell how old I was. You said 58? Rewind that. <laughs> my sister and I uh, grew up in a very dysfunctional home. I can never remember my dad and mom being together. Uh, they split up when I was about two. And uh, she remarried an alcoholic and uh, abusive, uh, sexually, physically, emotionally, mentally. It was a horrid uh, life for the three of us. Uh, But God, in his mercy, uh, when I was about 10, uh, began to employ that rescue, that redemption that transpires. And I didn't know Jesus, but God in mercy. uh, This was back in the 60s when fathers did not have custody of their kids. And my dad was able to get custody of us. And so we were... Removed from that difficult, destructive. Kind of since your dad kind of even stepped in and started redeeming you from that situation. Yeah, very much so. Uh, hmm. And so it was a wonderful experience of getting out of that home, but the damage had been done. The formative years are huge in the young years of a kid's life, and so damage had been done. And my dad, like most parents, don't understand those kinds of things, especially back then. So I went on a pathway of uh, destruction from 10 to 18 of pursuing my own pursuit of being valued, being loved, being trying to compensate for my insecurity and the destruction that had been wrought in my life thus far. Um, so the idea of speed and alcohol and all those kinds of pursuits. Speed as in the pill or speed as in cargo and fast? Oh, yeah, as in uh, horsepower. I love, okay. I love all things horsepower, be it motorcycle. It's like you're a speed junkie. <laughs> speed junkie. <laughs> okay, yeah, go. Yeah, so anyway, uh, 
just an instructive path of trying to fill those empty voids. And uh, I wanted to be somebody. I just wanted to be important. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be valued. Kind of like you and me. You know? and, but I met, tried those pursuits in all the wrong ways and all the wrong places. But when I turned 18, somewhere in that year, um, I was introduced to the gospel and uh, committed my life to Christ and thus began a, a 40-year journey uh, that I'm, and it's taken me all those 40 years to get to this place and keep going. It's a process. Um, so in the middle of that, somewhere in the, along the way, I got married, had a couple of kids, and one day I'm coming home from work after picking up my son, who is nine months, and my daughter, six, from uh, daycare, and I drive home and to find an envelope on the counter with a, a note in it saying, see ya. And uh, my wife at that time had left uh, me and my kids for someone else, and so it was a I was a wreck to encounter and uh, just upended our lives. But again, God in his mercy and faithfulness saw us through those times. And being a single parent of a nine-month-old boy and a six-year-old girl was, was a challenge. But uh, fortunately, I was in a church that helped out a bunch. And but it's kind of interesting. You kind of end up in the same position that your dad did, too. Yeah. Because you know, your dad came in and... Yeah. And then again, he had nothing to do with it. My mom left him for right. someone else as well. So, yeah. Repeat history. So, so in, in the midst of all that, though, and you're probably going to get there, but I'm just, you know, interjecting. interjecting. <laughs> uh, you, you know, she, she runs off and, you know, you're left here, but, but still in the midst of it. I mean, she does bear responsibility for that, but what responsibility do you bear in that, too? And it took a while because obviously my first reaction is I got to take care of my kids and it's her fault and I'm okay. I'll get out of this, I'll recover. And, uh, again, God, in his mercy and graciousness, I uh, married my wife, Deb, and, again, was just a, a godsend. Uh, but and it took years before I began to realize that I did have lots of contributing factors to a dysfunctional home life with my former wife. And, again, you can't excuse her actions and choices, but I certainly, as a Christian, as a father and a husband, did not um, fulfill or be who I was meant to be either. So there's joint responsibility but you can't undo when someone walks out of the situation. So, but it took me forever, it seems like, to realize that. And uh, so after a couple of years of marriage to Deb, I find myself on that same path, that potential train wreck. Uh, and if it wasn't for her goodness and faithfulness, uh, I think anybody else would have left. I'm a jerk. <laughs> you are. I am. But she, uh, she brought about in our home a place of safety for me that allowed God to begin to unravel and, and peel back the layers that had been built in through those first 10 years of my life. And so an uh, amazing process over the last 20-some years of change and growth that is just, it's like uh, the growth curve has been, you know, just a nice easy curve that you'd like to see your stocks on to just catapulting the uh, amount of change and difference in my life. And, uh, but it was because of the safety, because of the love that be, was exemplified of what Christ has done for me. You know, I, I like that you use the word unravel because it seems so often that that's the place where our lives truly become surrendered to Christ is when everything begins to unravel. I mean, so often we think, oh, I can do it myself, and, and we make, you know, Jesus part of our story, and we bring him in. Oh, yeah, me and Jesus, we're buddies. We're this, you know, he's, he's part of my life. Rather than understanding that in the gospel sense, God has called us into his story. And so it's not our story that Jesus becomes a part of. We are a part of his larger story. And it seems like only when things unravel do we, do we understand that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like when people look at 
Christianity and they say, oh, well, Christianity is a crutch. And, and I, when I, every time I hear that, I think, well, then you don't understand Christianity because a crutch is too simple. I mean, a, a Christianity is, is not even just a walker. It's the, the little car you get at Walmart. You know, it's, I mean, if, if you're not fully laying in the thing and you're only using it as a crutch, you don't understand Christianity because it is, it is all about Jesus and his story. It's not something we lean on because when we are unraveled, we realize there is nothing. That we have in ourselves. And so it's not, I'm standing here and I'm leaning on this. It's Jesus and folding and everything. Yeah. It's a great yeah. word. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what begins to happen. And it became evident as I, again, began to experience God's love. And I realized that all the maladies of my pre-Christian life were just transferred into my Christian life, sanctified a little bit. I still wanted importance. I wanted position. I wanted to be loved. And, again, you do it in different ways, but it was still the same destructive behaviors and I was still mean, spirited, hard, harsh, and difficult to live with, and could isolate and clam up in a moment, and uh, so it was difficult. But again, when I began to realize that it wasn't always about me, and I really began to hate my sin, uh, when I began to see how it was hurting my wife and my kids, it uh, it grabbed hold of me like like nothing else. But I had to see it first. So in that though, um, what what now is because you know it's Christianity is always this journey we're on. It's not oh hey I've reached the destination you know I did this. It's it's about what he's done, but uh, also what he's doing in our lives. And so what is your ongoing story of redemption? You know, I'm still a jerk. <laughs> Hasn't changed a whole lot. Not really. It's changed immensely. Uh, gosh, the the story now is is one of realizing that who I am in Christ, what Jesus has done for me. I am redeemed. I am beloved. I am righteous. I've been rescued. I've been reconciled to God, and that's who I am. But I also am this guy over here who's broken, who's got issues, and I don't ever get away from those or forget those. They don't have the hold. They don't have the power. Sometimes I just visit them, but very quickly that the identity of who I am in Christ, that I am loved in Christ. I am Forgiven in Christ, I am righteous. It's Christ in me is the hope of glory. And it changes my outlook. Even though, you know, it talks about in Deuteronomy about remembering, not forgetting where God's delivered you from. And so I don't. I know my background. I know where I'm from. I know what I'm capable of. But that's not who I am. I've been redeemed. I'm changed. I'm different. So how can a proper understanding of true redemption affect every part of our life? Well, it should affect every part of your life. Because there's nothing that God doesn't want to touch. There's nothing that hasn't been touched by sin, that hasn't been impacted by the sin of others or your own sin that's caused brokenness, that's caused bondage and and, um, trial and difficulty in your life. So every bit of your life has been impacted. And so every bit of your life is needing the touch of Jesus to redeem it, to reconcile it to God, to restore you to what he designed and purposed you to be. Okay, and so now one of the things that Mike is is doing at Element is we're going to be starting these things eventually called redemption groups. Uh, Mike has a different temperament than I do. You can probably just tell that by looking at us up here. Uh, like it's kind of interesting because uh, he and Eric are people who usually think about things before they say things out loud. Jonathan and I usually just spew. You know, we're just like, eh, we'll just say something like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Oops. You know, but Mike thinks about things. So, you know, we got these different temperaments. Mike, Mike is also very empathetic. Mike, Mike cares about a lot of things. Like, if you sat down and you talked to me about some issue you have, my thing is, well, what do you need to do? Let's fix you. Let's, you're going to go out and you're going to, and Mike's going to be like, so, so tell me about what's going on in here. I don't care. I want you just, 
treat your wife better, treat your husband better, you know, and it's, and he, and it's like funny because sometimes I'll send some things to him and he will send something back. It's like, well, you know, but what did you, you know, what did you think about how they said this? And I'm like, whatever, you know, <laughs> and that's, and, and he's, and he's very good in that regard because, and again, he's something that our elder team actually really needs. And so these things called redemption groups, and I'm going to let him talk about those just for a minute. All right. So redemption groups, it's a ministry we want to launch in this next year. Uh, please pray when you think about that. It's an ominous undertaking, but we're excited about it, my wife and I. <clears throat> and, uh, in fact, we got training coming up. We'll be heading up to Seattle with some folks, and so it's a big deal. But we're hoping to launch those in the next, this next year in 2014. But Element, as a community of faith, um, we have – it's like a freeway system that we're moving down, and it's called the Gospel Communities. And so in that process, we are going somewhere as a people – and there's all kinds of on-ramps. We, this Sunday morning would be an on-ramp, our Christmas Eve service. Things we do here kind of publicly, those are on-ramps to get on that freeway system, that, that journey with God. And sometimes, though, when you're on that journey, you, you have a flat, you have a blowout, you spin it out, you wreck it, whatever. It unravels. It unravels. <laughs> and you find yourself at the side of the road, either being towed off, pushed off. Sometimes you can limp off. but you need I'm to usually get... towed off. <laughs> You need to get off that system maybe for a minute or a week or whatever. But, and, and so we want to, these redemption groups are meant to be an opportunity for when God puts the finger on something in your heart or in your life that you have a place to go and get some help, a place to go where you can begin to unravel and allow God to speak into your life and where you begin to align with what's going on in your life to God's intentions and a purpose where your story uh, takes a back seat to his story, where this story becomes preeminent in your life and you realize it's not about me and it's about him. And so there's opportunities to these 10 lead groups to, to let that happen. To where There's an area of your life you realize I'm out of whack, I'm out of kilter and it's, it's affecting my life. It's affecting my job or my family, my kids and you need help. And so it's some opportunity to get help. And you don't have to be in a gospel community to actually join. Hopefully redemption groups then at that point would be an on-ramp for you into a gospel yeah. community. I mean the whole idea also of redemption is it's, yes, we have done things to hurt others, but things have been done to us as well. And so it could be, you know, working through you being a jerk like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be, you know, like like the abuse of when when he was a child. I mean, that's. Uh, I had someone ask me. They said, "Well, you know, how how why do you need to get redeemed from something that that happened to you?" Like, and and I said, "Redemption covers these things. It is it's this idea that that this thing that happened to us broke us." And Jesus comes in, and the point of redemption is that he restores us. He, it's like the Exodus narrative. He comes, we are in bondage to that thing that broke us, and our entire life revolves around it. And yet God leads us out like his people. And sometimes you know, it took them 40 years in the wilderness, but he works them through, and he takes them into the promised land. And that's what God wants to do with our lives. And they didn't always succeed. I mean, they had setbacks and fallbacks into their old ways of life. And God was faithful to redeem and restore them. So in that, how do you think a proper understanding of the gospel when Jesus takes us from being a people who see ourselves as victims to people who see ourselves as being saved? So in, in Ephesians 2 and 10, it talks about that we are God's workmanship. And so God is at work in our lives, and he has intention and purpose and destiny. And understanding that changes how we, our worldview. Uh, when we understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we, all of a sudden it's like, what somebody did to you or what you did to somebody or whatever the sin impact in your life, somehow God's at work in that to shape you, to form you, 
who you are as a person is who he means you to be, and he's going to use that to glorify and honor himself and to help you be of, of help to others. You know, out of the same things that have happened to us, we are able to help others. And uh, I want to share a quote that I read this past week on the blog. And it says, Jesus alone gives meaning to so much of the senselessness. Only he brings the most centering words, gives the only real solutions, and provides the power to live life that it should be lived. He reveals a God who comes in search of us, is deeply loved with us, and deeply in love with us, and gives us a mission worth getting up for, and if necessary, giving one's life for. So when we understand Jesus properly, we understand where our life's going and what it's about. And uh, that he's in the midst of it, good and bad, when it's difficult, when it's, when it's great. He's in our midst, shaping and forming it. Now, for some reason, last service, we got through all this a lot faster. <laughs> so this, we've actually t- been talking longer than I thought we were going to, because the well, last service, I gave them an opportunity to ask some questions. Uh, one of the questions I thought that I would just share with you and then talk about for a moment is, uh, Elder, they, they said, you know, what, what made you become an elder or say yes and that kind of thing? This is an interesting process, because in the middle of this, uh, Mike sat down with me where, where Paul starts talking about eldership, and, and, and Paul says, you know, those who uh, desire uh, to be an elder... You know, they're aspiring to a noble thing. And, and Mike goes, I don't have a lot of these, these aspirations for that. And so I went and did this whole word study about it. And actually, both terms, that desire and they aspire, both those words are negative connotations. They're, they're negative connotations used in regards to lust of money or lust of things or just lust, period. And so the whole connotation of it that Paul sets out is that there's a lot of people and they're clamoring to be elders. They're desiring this thing. And he, and he said, but they're lusting after it in the wrong way. And then he lists out for you what the qualifications of an elder are. And so it's almost different than a lot of people see. So I explained that back to Mike, and he goes, okay, I guess it's not an excuse, huh? <laughs> because, because it was the humble place that he was coming from was one of the things that drew us to him. Because he's in a place that says, you know, if, if God has called me and God has laid this on me, then yes. But it's not something he is, he is lustfully aspiring after. If anything, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to speak to that. Sure, yeah. I mean, um... Back in April or May, Aaron, after service, asked me, he goes, he came up to me, he goes, I want you to, I mean, I have a question for you, and don't answer. I want you to pray about it. And that's when he... If I ever say that, something's big's coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would have been no. I would have just flat out said no. <laughs> a, my, my lifestyle, schedule, busyness, whatever, and uh, it's too soon. I would have come up with a zillion excuses. Um, but I agreed to pray and consider, and after lots of dialogue and some meetings and joining with Eric and, and uh, Jonathan, we... You know, began to build some relationship, you know, considered. But again, uh, there's nothing in me that, that wants to clamor for being an elder. Uh, that would have been my normal pursuit, my need for position, my need for importance. I would have wanted to do that. I would have said, yeah. You know, I would have, even though I hate being up here, I would have wanted to be up here. I don't. Um, but I'm willing to. And because I know that's God's call. That's part of who I am, is to, to lead and to cover and to care. And so... Um, over time, and it's been some time, I think it took through November or October before we agreed that, okay, we'll go forward with this. But uh, we, we trust that God is in this. And again, I know that's who I am. So it's easy to... 
And and the question I actually had for him at the end of the last service too, which might be helpful for you. Um, you know, Mike, he's been involved in other churches, and you may think, well, why is he here? You know, did he leave and be like, I'm going over there? No, <laughs> at the church he was involved with before, it actually closed down, and and that's in this cross point. And so there's some cross point people here, and they went someone to some other churches, but but Mike and Deb ended up here. And the question I asked him in last service was, how does eldership here and what we're calling of you differ from when you were an elder before? So I've been an elder a number of times, and uh, a lot of times the difference is that they group spiritual oversight and polity or government together. And uh, with Element, it's, they have a very unique understanding that there's folks who, whose skill and their gifting is to serve, and those are your deacons and your uh, GC leaders and stuff. There's folks that are, that are called to govern and to lead in that capacity, and then there's folks that are given to spiritual oversight and called elders or pastors. And so Element has a great grasp of that biblical understanding. And most churches don't. I mean, not that they're, they're necessarily bad because of that. They just don't fully understand. We're not picking that. on anybody over yeah. here. <laughs> we, we just want you to have a better understanding of the heart that, that we have. Uh, because a lot of times people assume, like, we have a church board. And they think, oh, that's the elders. That's not the elders. Our church board consists of uh, church members, deacons, and a couple elders. But we also have our elders who meet together. And, and we get together and set the spiritual direction for where element is supposed to go and what element is supposed to be. And so, uh, all, all again, all of our elders, we consider them to be pastors. And so when you, at Element, when you talk about a pastor of the church, it is those four elders that we have. And eventually, you know, as, as Element grows, we are praying that God would reveal some more people for that, that position, but it's, but it's a slow process. It's not something that, you know, we meet somebody and next week we're going to make them an elder. It is a process because we need to get to know people to see if people's lives implode, you know, if they're, if they're steady, you know, so and steady wins the race, you know, but Jesus already run the, won the race for us. Theology, all these things all come into play. And uh, <laughs> theology. Yeah. yeah, we have some good conversation. He's always like, "Let me ask you a question about this." Like this week, it was what preterism or something. Yeah. yeah so we're gonna have that conversation. It'll be great. You're like, I don't even know what you're saying. That's why I'm an elder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, so so what we're going to do now is, is I'm going to actually send Mike over there, and we're going to invite you guys to communion like every single week uh, because communion is the place and understanding of redemption that our God has come to redeem and to save us. And so you break that cracker like Christ's body is broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice like his blood has been shed for you and I because our God is a God who sought and rescued us. Um, there's offering boxes in the side wall in the back. We give because God gave so much to us, giving us part of our worship. And there's a bunch of cookies in the back. So you can go and eat all those. You get like your sugar high. And then when you start to crash, go home. <laughs> just just take all the you know irritatedness and bitterness. There, you can come up and... Uh, and so what we're going to do now is I'm going to – actually, I told Mike to offer because he'll be here all, you know, at the end of all the services. So if you need prayer for anything – I mean maybe you are wondering about those redemption groups and, and you've been in a spot where maybe you don't understand some things that are going on in your life or maybe your life is coming unraveled. Uh, you know, he would be someone that you could actually pray with and talk to this morning as well. Yep. So after the service, back or during the worship time and communion time, I'll be in back. If you'd like to come back and want prayer, I'd be glad to. would love to pray with you. So let's pray. Father, we uh, – we fall on our faces before you. Uh, if only in our hearts we acknowledge, God, uh, what you've done for us, the wonder and the majesty of redemption, of doing what we couldn't do for ourselves and in spite of ourselves doing it, God. I pray this morning, Father, that you would birth hope and invitation to us to enter in. Uh, though fearful at times, God, I pray that we would enter in 
to this process called redemption, that we would trust you more deeply with ourselves, that you are trustworthy, that your God is good and faithful, and that those things in our lives that are often masked or hidden or stored away are things that we can let go of and open and expose to you, that you would redeem and restore. So, Lord, we, we choose this day to trust you. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, those things that are hindering, those things that are holding us back, that we need you to redeem. We ask in Jesus' name.